0: God is neither surprised nor offended by our concerns. In this series, Pastor, I've Got a Question, we're going to tackle some of the most frequently
1: asked questions about faith, life, and the world around us. Take one of your hands, set it on your heart, say it out loud, church, say it with all you've got, say eyes to see, ears to hear. A heart to receive a mouth to confess all the good things Christ has already provided for me and just look at the person on right and left and say it's for you too come on tell them it's for you too don't touch them just look at them come on it's for you too it really is well we're in a nine-week summer series we've called pastor I've got a question A series that was prompted by questions that I have been asked over and over and over again, some of them as a pastor, some of them are new questions. And I want to jump into week six of this series, Pastor. I've got a question, and I want to continue this series with today's question Pastor, will I lose God's forgiveness? I've messed up again. Pastor, will I lose God's forgiveness? I've messed up again. Before I jump into this teaching today, there's going to be a lot of Scripture. Next week, week seven, I'm going to be answering the question, Pastor, as a teenager, I lost my father to suicide. What happens to Christians who commits suicide week eight I'm going to swing at the question pastor after the death of my baby someone in the church told me God took her should I believe that but today pastor will I lose God's forgiveness y'all ready somebody say it out loud say yes 1 John 2, verse 12. We're going to start there. We're going to talk about this gospel of forgiveness, unconditional forgiveness. Look what it says. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been, past tense, have been forgiven on account of his name. And I want... You to know, church, that as a gospel preacher, I probably get asked more questions about forgiveness than any other subject. Pastor, am I really 100% forgiven? Pastor, what if I sin and I forget to repent? Pastor, what if I backslide? And it's interesting, forgiveness seems to be a blind spot. For many, many people including Christians, we just can't get it through our thick heads that God has past tense forgiven us. The Bible says completely and for all time. We have an extremely difficult time receiving what the Bible calls unconditional forgiveness. Why? Well, pastor, that just sounds, you know, too good to be true. Well, pastor, nothing comes for free. You better be careful preaching this, this gospel. Well, Pastor, there must be a price to pay. Well, church, there was, and Jesus paid it all. The grace of God has many expressions. Forgiveness, I think, is one of the biggest. You miss forgiveness and you miss grace. One way I think to reject grace is to treat forgiveness as something other than a gift. And sadly, many, many do. They they think they have to do certain things before God will really forgive them. And they think this way, I think, for a couple of reasons, but one of them that I want to touch on quickly comes from something that Jesus said. I'm going to teach today. You better stay with me. Y'all with me, say yes. Yes. Something Jesus said, and he said it in a famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said, look at this, in Matthew 6, verse number 15, he said, If you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I want to say this is not good news. As a matter of fact, Jesus is making this statement. It's really law, It's bad news news that actually should make you shake in your boots because it links God's forgiveness to your own that's not called grace that's called law it's quid pro quo it's tit for tat it's something watch you must give to get if You don't forgive, then God won't forgive you. If then, if then, not since therefore, if then. Why did Jesus, who by the way was grace personified, why did he preach this message? Why did he preach law? I'll tell you why, because some people need to hear the bad news before they'll really appreciate the good news. Some people will never value the gift of grace The Bible says until the law has been allowed to do its condemning work. How does the covenant of law do its condemning work? Here's a couple of examples. Don't have time to read it all, but I really want to teach you today. 2 Corinthians 3 verse number 7 says, It is a covenant that is the ministry of death. The law is the ministry of death. Galatians, you could check this out on your own, 4, verse number 24 says this. It says, it's a covenant from Mount Sinai, watch, that actually creates slaves and not sons. The Bible says this in Romans uh, 3, verse number 2, that it's a covenant, watch, that actually reveals sin, but it cannot fix the problem. And I want you to remember now, Jesus said that He came to what? He came to fulfill the law, and thank God on the cross, that's exactly what He did. In the act of paying for the sins. Of the world. He forgave those who sinned against Him. Are y'all seeing the connection? The very condition for forgiveness that Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount, He Himself satisfied on the cross. Yeah. Romans 10, verse number four says, For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to who? Anyone who believes. And maybe you've heard this. You've heard that God won't forgive you if you are harboring any unforgiveness in your heart. Well, under the law that Jesus preached, I'm going to tell you today that that is absolutely true. But the law-keeping covenant was fulfilled at the cross and those who maintain that we must forgive to be forgiven, they're just confused. They're confused about the finished work of Calvary. They're confused about which side of the cross they live on. And they'll draw your attentions to those scriptures that say forgiveness is conditional, not unconditional, but conditional. And they'll ignore everything else the Bible says. And I want you to know today that when Jesus was on the cross, dying for our sins, he cried out, these are my favorite words, he cried out what? He cried out, everybody say it with me, say it is what? Finished. What did he say? It is finished. What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? It is finished. Where does that come from? It comes from a Greek word that was actually an accounting term, so it does not mean that a thing has concluded. Well, it is finished, it is concluded. It doesn't simply indicate that the curtain has come down, that the show is over, the end, it's finished. No, to declare a thing finished This Greek word is to decree that all has been accomplished, that everything formally lacking has now been fully supplied The wound has been healed. That's where you say, thank you, Jesus. The obligation has been met. That's where you say, thank you, Jesus. The debt has been completely satisfied. That's where you say, thank you, Jesus. And if I've got a thankful church today, clap your hands and give God praise. Come on. Hallelujah. So on the cross, what was he saying when he said, it is finished are you ready for this? He was saying, performance-based religion has been finished, put to an end, wrapped up, right? It's finished. You'll hear people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not into that Christianity thing. You know, it's just another religion of, of a whole lot of religions. Wrong. Christianity is not another religion. Christianity is is the worldwide announcement of the end of religion. Performance-based religion has been finished, put to an end, wrapped up. Under the old covenant, pre-cross, people were blessed or cursed. How? Based Upon their performance of keeping the law and that was unfortunate because keeping these laws were absolutely impossible. as a matter of fact the Bible said if you broke one of them it was as if you broke all of them. so the result of breaking the law was what curses found in in Deuteronomy 28. There's some reading for you sometime. The curses listed in Deuteronomy 28 and and sadly performance-based religion can still be heard being preached every week from pulpits everywhere and all over the internet. I mean, you can hear it every day, all day. And one of the most popular examples of a performance-based religious doctrine is this one that I'm talking about. If then. If you don't forgive, then God won't forgive you. If then. And it sounds right, but church, when are you going to get it? It is contrary, completely contrary to the new covenant of grace. Good news. Jesus has set us free from performance-based religion. Under the new covenant, watch, we don't perform to be blessed or cursed or whatever. Here's the revelation. In Christ, we are already blessed, and the Bible says we have been redeemed from the curse of the law because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. Now watch. It's not if-then. Now we don't forgive to be forgiven. Watch. We forgive because we are totally and completely forgiven. It's no longer if then it's now since, therefore pre cross, if then post cross, since, therefore. What do I mean? Since I've already been forgiven, therefore I can forgive. Are y'all getting this? Talk to me, somebody say yes. So, performance is finished, do it yourself, living is finished, hustling finished. And like never before, church, I'm talking to you. We need the church, the the capital C church needs a whole Bible theology. And that doesn't mean you read everything indiscriminately and you just hope for the best. That's what some of you think when I say the word. You think, well, I'm going to open that book and and I'm just going to open it up to whatever page and I'm just going to read it and I'm just going to take it in and 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 some of you think that's that's what I mean when I say that and the reality is and I just hope for the best. You know what that's like? That's like going to the medicine cabinet, opening it up and start eating everything inside the medicine cabinet. How many know that'll kill you? A whole Bible theology means what? It means you read the written word through the lens of the living word. I believe in the word. I believe the word is inspired. I believe the word is inherent. And I believe at 18 years old, the word grew a beard. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible is not a manual for living. The Bible is a revelation of Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. And a whole Bible theology is so critical. And when I say whole Bible theology, what do I mean? It means you filter everything you read through what? Through Christ and his finished work on the cross. Everybody, say this out loud. Say it with all you got. Say the cross changed everything. Isn't it crazy? The church don't really believe that. Say it out loud. Say the cross changed everything. Say it out loud so I can hear. I hear online better than you. Say the cross changed everything. Do you really believe that? I want you, again, there's so much I could give you here. Is this helping anybody today? Look at the screen, if you would, behind me, and I'm gonna ask you a question, and you're you're gonna see the answers right there, but there's just a consistent pattern of preaching conditional forgiveness, again, prior to the cross. That's called pre-cross, and then all you see is unconditional forgiveness after the cross, or post-cross. The cross changed everything. You could study this out on your own. So the question I would ask you is this, unconditional forgiveness? Pre-cross? No. Well, that's what Jesus preached, so we better believe it. He did preach it, but he preached it pre-cross to those born under the law. Then we understand post-cross, unconditional forgiveness. Yes. As a matter of fact, to help you, because I really want to help you, if you go to our website, gospelinstitute.cc, I have provided a free download of 101 comparisons between pre-cross and post-cross, law and grace. If then since therefore doing done <laughs> trying trusting are y'all getting this so before the cross Jesus preached what he preached forgiveness as a law to be kept i'm going somewhere with this cuz i'm going to answer your question but then after the cross you look at what he said acts 26:18 open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Receive as a gift, receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified. By faith. The cross changed everything. And today, here's what I thought we would do before we take communion together. And communion today is gonna feel so good when you understand what really happened. Today, consider three wonderful new covenant truths about the gospel of unconditional forgiveness. As a matter of fact, some of you today with this teaching, you need to let the Word of God just begin to wash. These truths just wash over your imagination. Some of you are imagining things about God and what He believes about you. And you need to allow these truths just to wash over you. And, and some of you today, you better hear me. These truths are going to set you free. Faith comes by hearing and hearing this message of Christ, the, the, the Word of, of, of Christ, the message of Christ. Number one, write this down. Forgiveness isn't something God does. It's something he's done. It's something he's done. All right, on the day he rose from the dead, on the day he rose from the dead, is that pre or is that post-cross? Help me, somebody. On the day he rose from the dead, talk to me. Post-cross. Jesus immediately began to preach a different message from those law-based sermons he was delivering pre-cross. Remember that before the cross, he preached what? Conditional forgiveness. Forgive to be forgiven. If you forgive, then God will forgive you. But after the cross, look at what he preached. Luke 24, 46. This is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead. Don't you miss this. And on the third day... Rise up, look at this, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Now you take a moment this week and you check that passage out in your own Bible and I would say this. What does it say? Does it say, this is big, does it say repentance for forgiveness or repentance and forgiveness? Let me tell you something, the difference is huge. Repentance for forgiveness is what John the Baptist preached. It's forgiveness conditional on you turning from sin. That was John's message. Watch, it's a verb for a verb but this is not what jesus is saying here he doesn't use verbs for repentance and forgiveness he uses nouns he is saying this he is saying from now on forgiveness is not something that god does forgiveness is something that is already done and if you believe it give god a good hand clap of praise come on church Okay, let me, let me read that verse, uh, verse 47 of Luke 24. It just becomes so clear in the, in the King James Version. Look at this. Repentance and, oh, I love these words. Boy, before I came into a revelation, this new covenant, I didn't like preaching these words. I would say, no, these, these words are too big. I don't think the people are going to get it. Let me tell you something. These are the words that set you free. Repentance and, I love this, remission, remission of sins. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. Watch this. What is that word remission? Are you ready? Remission, forgiveness that has already taken place. Repentance and remission is what's to be preached. Forgiveness that has already taken place. Okay, this is not a trick question. When were our sins remitted? Talk to me. When were our sins remitted? Louder. When were our sins remitted? On the cross. On the cross. During the Last Supper, we're going to gather around the Lord's table and celebrate, but during the Last Supper... The Lamb of God said what? He would take away the sins of the world when he died. Matthew 26, 28, look what he says. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Y'all aren't ready for this. Two questions, and the answer's the same. I'm giving it to y'all. Please talk to me. Please talk to me. Two questions. Please let this reality sink in. Here's the first one. Where was the Lamb's blood poured out? Where was the lamb's blood poured out? Okay, you ready? Next question. Where were all your sins forgiven? If you believe it, clap your hands and give God praise. Oh! Do you believe that? Let it sink in. Number two. Forgiveness isn't a reward based on your confession. It's a free gift based on His crucifixion. Forgiveness is critical. We grab hold of here in the New Covenant because forgiveness in the New Covenant, watch, it is a noun, not a verb. Okay, let me say it like this. It is a gift, not a work. Okay, let me say it like this. It is an inheritance, not a reward. It is trusting, not trying. It is something God gives, not something he does because it's already done at the cross. Thank God, we were given A receipt not an invoice yeah yeah and and this is so hard for us to understand because because this is not how the world works what are you talking about in this world it's like for like you mess with me I mess with you something for something you want something from me I want something from you Straight off. Ain't that the world? But think about it. When you sin against someone, your relationship with that person, some of you know what I'm talking about, your relationship comes under what? Strain. So there's this thing that comes between the two of you, this thing. So to be reconciled, you got to deal with what? You got to deal with whatever that thing is. And an interesting again again pre-cross 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 what did jesus say he said in matthew 5 23 that if you're bringing your gift to the altar and you remember your brother has some thing thing against you what do you do you get up from the altar and you go deal with that thing what else did he say again pre-cross luke 17 4 he said that if your brother sins against you and repents what do you do you send that thing away How many of you know that all makes sense right there, doesn't it? Say yes. But here's the thing. God isn't like you or me. He doesn't wait for you to act before he does his thing with your thing, that thing that was between you and him, sin, he dealt with at the cross. And since God isn't limited by time and he's not limited by space, he doesn't need to wait for you to start sinning before before he forgave your sin. As a matter of fact, that word before means what? During the period of time preceding or prior to or previous to. The truth is, watch this. While you were still sinning, Christ died for you. Which means what? Watch. Before you ever confessed, before you ever changed your mind. Now I'm going to mess with you. Before you were even born. Now I'm really going to mess with you. Before you even realized you needed to be forgiven, God already forgave you. Are y'all getting this? Hallelujah. It means what? To forgive means what? To send away. To send forth. Your sin has not merely been overlooked. It's not like God covered something up. It has been removed. And the Bible says it has been removed as far as the east is from the west. And if you were to look for your sin, some of you, it's frustration every day. You keep focusing on it. If you were to look for that, for that sin, you wouldn't find it because... It's gone. Look at, I I want to spend some time right here, real quick. Hebrews 9. I told you it's going to be a lot of scripture, verse 26. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages, at the end of the ages. And when I say that, some of you, when I say the word age, you think cosmic. No, this isn't cosmic, this is covenantal. It's the end of what age? It's the end of the age of law coming into a new age of grace. And look at, but now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do what? To do away with sin. Look at this, by the sacrifice of himself. At the cross, the sins of the world were sent away. And this is why the risen Lord said that we are to proclaim forgiveness as a done deal rather than a that you've got to try to earn. Think about it. The disciples were probably blown away when they heard this. First of all, Jesus is standing there. He was supposed to be dead. And then second, think of this. Before the cross, he was saying something totally at odds with, with what they're hearing now, what you said on the Sermon on the Mount. You're not saying that here. And while the old covenant, you know, was fulfill the new covenant just begun. Jesus had to get these disciples up to speed, and that's why it says in Luke 24 that he did this by opening their minds so that they could understand scripture. All of a sudden, they're rightly dividing. He explains how the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms all reached their fulfillment in him, and they pointed to a day that had now dawned. Namely, it's this new day called grace. And that's why I think that morning after Peter had failed, that the rooster crowed. Some of you think that rooster crowed to condemn Peter, but the reality is, I think a rooster Rooster crows whenever there's a new day. Whenever there's a new day, there's a rooster crow. And I feel like Peter could have heard the rooster crow and remind him, there's a new day. All your sins have been forgiven once and for all. There's a new day. It's called the day of grace. And if you believe it, clap your hands and give God praise. Come on. Law fulfilled. Grace revealed. And all of a sudden, in that moment, thank you, Jesus, I said the cross changed everything. All of a sudden, verbs became nouns. Forgiveness is no longer conditional on what you do. Forgiveness becomes a free gift that's paid for by the blood of the Lamb. Wow. Wow. Okay. I want you to get this. Come on. I'm taking you there. I'm taking you. I'm taking you to to some good... Good communion, I'm telling you, what a moment, but what news. No, no hooks, no qualifications, no, no bait and switch, just good news delivered pure, delivered straight. And, and, and let me just make something clear before I give you this last one. Real quick, just let me give it to you. I, Ben Daly is not against confession. On that point I just made, because I could see some of you just start squirming in your seat. Ben Daly is not against confession in fact I probably confess more than you and I love confession but I think that word has been mangled in the machinery of religion it is a beautiful word that means to agree with God yes sinners need to agree that they are sinful and in need of a savior but saints need to agree that their sins have been dealt with and they are forgiven And true confession is what? It is putting faith into words. It's articulating God's promises, God's declaration, God's will. But confession to be forgiven is what the Bible actually calls a dead work. Whether you confess to your mama, whether you confess to your grandmama, whether you confess to a priest, whether you confess to God makes no difference. If you do it because you believe it makes you righteous or holy or favored or acceptable, to God why then do you even need a savior you've set aside grace the bible says you've fallen from grace and you've put yourself back under do it yourself living that's why so many of you look worn out at some point when's the church going to get this we sing songs we don't believe, we say stuff we don't believe, but when is the church finally going to come to the point where you step out in faith, faith and just simply trust that when Jesus said, it is finished, that it really was finished, that at the cross your sin was dealt with, and the Bible says it was dealt with once and for all. If I got any believers that believe it, give God praise right now if you know you're free somebody holler thank you Jesus say it out loud say I believe it it. this is a big one right here because I'm getting to your question you ready somebody going my god when's he gonna answer that question when I get ready to this is a big one though because some of you are living under the weight and shame and condemnation some of you I feel this today you're even sick in your bodies physically sick that's why I'm bringing you to the communion table you don't fix yourself to come to the table watch you come to the table that's where you're fixed Jesus write this down we don't beat ourselves up for forgiveness we look to the cross and simply say Thank you, Jesus. I dare you to say it out loud. Say, thank you, Jesus. Matter of fact, if you can, lift up one of your hands. Lift up your head. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath and just say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That right there is the greatest statement of faith. Right there. And maybe you're struggling with sin. Maybe you are carrying right now truckloads of guilt and shame. And maybe you wear shame, some of you, like a heavy jacket. Let me tell you, the solution to your problem is standing on a hill 2,000 years in the past on the cross. Jesus became, here's another one of those words. Jesus became, watch this. He became what the Bible calls our propitiation propitiation, wow. Let these words begin to sink in. He himself became, the Bible says in 1 John 2, 2, he became the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation, that's a big word. Watch. But it simply means close your eyes and get the picture he became the sacrifice that satisfied completely he turned God's wrath away from the sin that was in you and the Bible says he took it upon himself on the cross and sin is like a lightning rod it attracts wrath and that's why Throughout the Old Testament, you'll see flashes of judgment that would occasionally, you know, vaporize a a poor soul. But on the cross, here's the picture. Jesus took your sin, your mistakes, your mess up, your sickness, your cancer, your diabetes. He took upon himself all of the stuff, your depression, your anxiety. He took all this stuff. He took all of this, the world. He took upon himself the sin of the world. And in one mighty blast, some of you think, well, Jesus went to the cross so that God could beat him up so that he would like me. No, let me tell you something. He knew there was something that was hurting his kids called sin. And he said, I'm going to deal with the very thing that's hurting my kids. And he took that upon himself. And in one mighty blast of judgment, God poured wrath out on the very thing that was destroying you. That's why Psalm 30 verse number five says, for his anger, watch, see the cross, his anger against sin lasts only a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. Lift up your hands and hear the Spirit of God today. He was cursed for a moment so that you could be favored forever. If I got a church that believes it, clap your hands and give God praise right now. Come on, you can do better than that. He was cursed for a moment so that you could be favored forever. And you know what I realize? You know what I realize? Church, what in the world, some of the most depressed, broke, frustrated, stingy, drugged up, unhappy, sick people that I meet are people who call themselves believers when we ought to be the happiest people you think you you think i made that up how about you look at romans 4 7 8 that says happy are those who know wrongs are forgiven whose sins are pardoned happy is the person whose sins the lord does not keep an account of aren't you glad today whoever asked that wonderful question and said, Pastor, but will I lose my forgiveness if I, if I make a mistake? Well, like all your sins, that, that, that one was dealt with at the cross, and, and, and it wasn't recorded as a red check mark next to your name because God isn't in the business any longer of imputing sin. It's human nature. I get it. Some of you, that's all the friends you have, friends that keep score in your life. But the reality is the Bible says that God is love, and love keeps no record of your wrong. And I came today to remind you, That a better question might be this, not will I lose it, but rather, will you use it? Will you use it when you mess up? Because believe it or not, even old Ben Daly's messed up a time or two. You don't believe me, I know it's hard to believe, just ask him. But the question is this, not will I lose it, but am I going to enjoy it? am I gonna use it and see some of you that that's scary for you to say boy I tell you preaching that kind of freedom that may give people a license to go out and do whatever they want really they've been doing whatever they want without a license for a long time what are you talking about When you get a revelation of the grace of God, when you get a revelation of the good news of unconditional forgiveness, all of a sudden you realize, I'm free. I'm free to be everything that God's created me to be. And some of you have forgotten. That's why the Bible says in 2 Peter 1, 9, those who lack these qualities, they're blind and short-sighted having forgotten his purification from from, from former sin. Some of you, you've forgotten how free you are. Some of you need to be reminded, why do you think I believe in the local church? Why do you think I believe in the local church? Why do you think I believe in gospel circles? Why do you think I believe in this? It's not so we can sit around and just and and, and just come up with good stuff to do. Let me tell you something. We live in a world and now more than ever before with so many so many noises, so many noises so many noises, so many noises some of you, you can't even think. You couldn't sit for a moment and just think about the goodness of God. You couldn't think about how free you are. You couldn't sit and just, and just bask in, in His life and in His goodness and in His kindness to you. You you couldn't just rest in joy and peace. You don't even know what that's like because you forget. You're wrapped up in all of the noises, all of the noises, all the noise, all the noise but today. Lift your hands in His presence. What if I brought you to a place today where you could learn to thank and you could learn to turn and you could learn to trust wow. what do I mean what if today with hands lifted you could just thank God for the finished work of Jesus on the cross What if for some of you today, this isn't a work, but for some of you, you realize, wow, if I'm that free, I can just turn from sin. I don't have to get entangled, and I can turn to Jesus. And sin is not going to reign in my life any longer. Romans 6, verse number 12 says, sin doesn't reign over you, you reign. And then what if you could just trust? What if every day, Your only work is trusting God for wisdom and new ways of thinking and new ways of acting. It's that simple. And some of us have forgotten, but I'm thankful for a church that knows our mission to get up and continue to make a noise. In declaring and demonstrating this good news to everyone, every day, everywhere. And I mean everyone, every day, everywhere. Some have forgotten. But I'm so glad, church, because of you, someone like Paul could be reminded. Before we close, check this out.
0: My name is Paul Bryant. Pretty much my entire life, I had always been heavily involved in our ministry. I wasn't really focused on Jesus or the church for about the last two years. When I moved to Dallas in 2016, I started out just exploring Dallas and what it had to offer. So during that time, I was employed with an airline that allowed me to travel around the world and indulge in many things that I probably shouldn't have been. After just a few months of this, I had begun to become a man I didn't recognize. After four years of this, my life came to a streaking heart. I lost my job with the airline. I experienced a break off of a relationship with the woman that I had been dating for about a year and a half. All at once my world came crashing down. I had already been drinking heavily but these two traumatic events pushed me deeper into drinking. I felt the shame. I felt I had let myself down. I felt like I had let my family down. I was very depressed. It was so bad that I couldn't sleep for about a month. I worried all night and stressed about what had happened in my life. I felt hopeless. I reached a place of hopelessness and despair. I wonder why I should even continue living. I thought about ending it all. The only thing I knew to do was to get back to Christ. The problem was I didn't have a church to attend. Then I remembered a church I had visited Calvary a few years ago. My son and his mother were faithful members at Calvary for about a, a couple of years. I had visited Calvary before but didn't stay. I wanted to avoid the church because I was afraid of having my fun curtailed. But one Sunday, I pulled myself out of bed and decided to attend. The message on grace the pastor was preaching grabbed me. I felt as though Pastor Ben was speaking directly to me. So much so, when I would come to the first worship experience, I would want to stay for the second. Every Sunday for about a month or so, I felt life being breathed back into me. I came in Sunday after Sunday, and healing was taking place. From the minute I walked into the building, to the worship, to the message, I began to smile and laugh again. For Father's Day, my son gifted me Pastor Ben's book called Captured by Grace. I couldn't put it down. The book, along with Sunday messages, began to transform me. As I began to understand the grace of God and that I was his son no matter what I had done, I began to square my shoulders and raise my head. He died for me and my redemption was already done. I didn't need to beg him for anything, but just accept the finished work and walk in the victory that was already mine. I was so strengthened by the word, I decided to attend a gospel circuit to continue in the word I was hearing on Sunday. During the gospel circle, it was said that the coming Sunday would be a baptism. I decided right on the spot that I will be baptized. I was so happy because my son decided to get baptized with me after I had brought it up to him. God had begun to restore me and allow me to be a leader for my son again. God spoke to me as I was driving from church one Sunday and said to me, if I lived from within, I would win. My life has been totally different since my encounter with the Word and presence of God at Calvary. The message of grace has literally changed my life. I've been in the church for years. I was born again in 1998, but I've never been impacted by the gospel message like I have at Calvary. I thank God for Calvary and Pastor Ben's obedience to God and his word. I've been captured by grace.
1: Come on, church. Give Jesus a good hand clap of praise. We're going to do two things. We're going to give. We're going to receive communion. We're going to give we're going to receive communion because we've been given much we freely give every time I give you have to understand my wife and I think of faces just like Paul Church do you understand that your generosity is making a significant difference both locally and around the world trust God As we finish out these summer days and move into the fall, trust God. Let's give our first, let's give our best. Every face I see is a name, every name has a story. We have the privilege as a church to take this goodness everywhere. It's a good message and to take it costs to take it cost all the things we're doing now and moving into the fall and expanding and t- I'll tell you next Sunday I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this right now I have an announcement as a matter of fact those of you online next week announcement we will go offline for the announcement it's not for online it's for family in house we're continuing to reach and expand and develop in church get a hold of this you are free you're so free we can now overflow with the life of God and make a difference with this message in the lives of people just like Paul right after we give today you see how to give behind and those of you online thank you for your faithfulness church those of you that have given what's first and best and stayed consistent in inconsistent days after we give Get your communion, open it up, get it in your hand because we're going to pray. Some of you are going to receive the life of Christ as we take communion and set our eyes on Jesus and celebrate forgiveness. Some of you are going to be healed and your bodies, your minds renewed, your eyes opened. So Father, we come to this moment, this giving moment. We don't take it lightly. I thank you for good news. I thank you for a church that believes it. No matter what's going on in the world, we trust you. You are our source. You're our supply we bring what's first we bring what's best we're not just consumers we're contributors because we know how good you've been to us we don't look at things in the natural we look with our spiritual eyes and we see how important this is in jesus name we all said together amen let's give to the lord right now and then we're going to receive